2: So you've probably already heard about Cast's new investigative true crime podcast, Lost in Panama. But if you haven't caught up yet, now's the time, because new evidence and testimony has been uncovered in the more recent episodes that's shining a whole new light on the case. The first four episodes of Lost in Panama laid out everything already known about the two young women who went missing, including deep dives into the mysterious photos, the suspicious tour guide, and the remains. But episode five is where the investigation launches into a whole new direction. The Lost in Panama team meets a woman who says that the same men who killed her son are responsible for Chris and Lizanne's deaths. The woman lays out what she believes happened and how the women were abducted and killed. And amazingly, it all adds up. The pieces start to fit together and finally make sense. So as time's running out, the Lost in Panama team takes this major breakthrough and races to push the Panamanian government to admit that there's more going on here than meets the eye. The officials need to reopen the case and take a serious look at this new evidence so the families affected can finally get closure. But will they do it? If you want to find out, you can listen to all episodes of Lost in Panama right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Cats. Next desk. Hey there. Good. I'm, uh, I'm here for a seminar, and they never told me where it was in the hotel. Just that it was at this hotel. Oh, my goodness. I'm wondering if you cool could pull it that up for me. It? Uh, it's John Hanley. John Hanley, Ph.D. On a Tuesday morning in late July, I checked into a room at the Marriott Hotel in Anaheim, California, right down the street from Disneyland. I'd barely slept the night before, barely eaten that morning. I was nervous. There was this lesson in the seminars about how nervousness and excitement feel the same in your body. The only thing that makes them different is how you label that feeling. So whenever I was anxious about something as a kid, my dad would say, "Maybe you're just feeling excited instead." But at that moment in the hotel lobby, I definitely wasn't excited. I was terrified. It would be under that, or yeah, quantum it says something about quantum quantum transformational technologies, something like that. It's not a, it he makes it sound very exciting.
3: It's like we're traveling back in time. <laughs>
2: i just dropped $7,000 on John Hanley's Quantum Trainers Academy. After spending the past year researching Hanley, LifeSpring, and the seminars that defined my childhood, I was about to learn how to lead them myself, from the man who created them. By the time I walked out of the seminar three days later, I'd finally found an answer to the question I'd been asking for almost a year. Who is the real John Hanley? This is Good Cult, an original podcast from Cast Media. I'm River Donahue. You're listening to the sixth and final episode of this season. It's called So What? Now What? John Hanley has this one lecture he gives a lot. It's a lesson about truth, about reality. It starts with a simple algebraic equation, X equals Y. In this case, X is what happened. And why is what I have to say about what happened. Pretend John Hanley is giving you this lecture. He's at the front of the room. He takes a marker and writes this equation at the top of a big sheet of paper. What happened equals what I have to say about what happened. Now this equation, Hanley explains, is what most people believe. That what they say happened, happened. And they're just messengers of this truth. Here's Hanley explaining it in one of his old YouTube videos.
0: You and I Tú
1: y yo are raised estamos criados in this tradition. En esta we didn't ask for it, no we said it, but it's ingrained in us. En it's in our DNA. Está en nuestro ADN. So I want to
2: challenge this. Then Hanley says, What if what happened is not what I have to say about what happened? And he draws a big slash through the equal sign. What if we're all just giving interpretations of what happened? Okay, he's on stage writing down the equation again. What happened on the left? What I have to say about what happened on the right? But instead of an equal sign between them, this time he draws nothing. And then he draws a big circle around that nothing. Because what if what happened has no relation to what you have to say about what happened? What if there's no way of knowing what actually happened in the past and all you have is a story that you made up about it? Now, what if I told you that you could make up a new story, a better story? From this place, you can take whatever beliefs you've been lugging around about what happened in your past and who you used to be, throw it all aside, and say one of John Hanley's favorite slogans, so what? Now what?
1: What you have to say lo que tú que decir about what happened lo que pasó, is your reality. It's tu reality. It's the way the world occurs es la for you. Como el mundo para ti. It's how you occur es for yourself. It creates the parameters of the context. Crea los parámetros del contexto desde el cual vivimos nuestras vidas.
2: I bring this lecture up because John Hanley might say that the story I'm about to tell you isn't what happened. He might say something like,
1: "They're not reporting." No están reportando. They're creating their reality. Que ellos están su realidad, in the moment they're speaking. En, el en el que están hablando, Whatever it is they have to say about
2: what happened. Maybe he's right. Maybe my story about what happened has no relation to what actually happened. Maybe. But it's the only story I have, so it's the one I'm going to tell. Now, where was I? It was late July, early afternoon, and I'd finally found my way to a windowless room in the basement of a hotel for the Quantum Trainers Academy. And then John Hanley walked in. He was thin and spry, with a full head of silver hair. He was 77, but I could see in his eyes that he was still as sharp as he's always been. There were about a dozen trainees in the room with me. They were almost all Latino, and most of them were speaking Spanish. I met a guy who owned a car dealership in Mexico, a woman who ran faith-based seminars in California, a husband-and-wife couple who ran a company DJing weddings and quinceañeras. Hanley greeted most of them by name, and not just because we were all wearing name tags. He was hugging them and laughing and chatting with everyone through a translator, asking about their kids and their jobs. It was clear he knew most of them already. And then there was me, a total stranger. The first thing Hanley said to me was, How are we related? I gave him my usual story you know, that my parents met in a seminar, that I grew up on the Lifespring teachings, but he didn't seem very interested. It felt like Hanley was trying to distance himself from his Lifespring days. That's old, that's the past, the past doesn't matter. He's doing this quantum thing now. At 2 p.m., we sat down at a U shaped table, and Hanley took his place at the front of the room. He started off with a speech about the value of the work we do as trainers. We could charge people $200 to take our seminars, but asking for $1,000 is what creates value. It gives people skin in the game. The training won't work unless it's expensive. On the one hand, I guess that makes sense. On the other, it seems like a convenient way to justify charging all of us $7,000 to take this seminar would have to shell out another 5,500 if we wanted to continue with the rest of Hanley's six-month Trainers Academy. There were no promises that he would even let us graduate when it was done. We might need to take it again. After he finished his lecture, Hanley asked us all to stand up, introduce ourselves, and tell him what transformation meant. I would say that, in my experience, transformation is uh, empowering vulnerability. Um, It's congruence and um, being able to really—to be aligned with who I am and what I want and how I— This is me stumbling through my answer. Just like at MITT, I wasn't allowed to record inside the seminar, but one of Hanley's staffers filmed some of the Trainers Academy and sent me the footage.
0: How many think that's transformation? Raise your hands.
2: Oh,
0: wait, well, he's raising his hand. <laughs> I <like> got
3: John, at <laughs> least. No, you don't have it.
0: You say yes? That's transformation? You're
2: just bullying him into not raising their hands. Oh, I'm, I'm not telling him. <laughs> I can, but I'm can. not
0: right
2: <laughs> Listening back to this now, I can hear myself needling Hanley a little bit, but he was joking around with me, too, giving me some of that warmth I saw him give the other participants. It felt like we were developing a rapport. But all that changed during the first break, once I told him about this podcast. I pulled him aside and explained I was working on a show about the history of LifeSpring and the personal growth seminars that he had pioneered. I said I'd interviewed some people he knew, Robert White, Betty Spruel, Michael McNally, and that I'd love to interview him too. Hanley barely looked at me. While I was talking to him, he didn't even turn to face me, so I had to speak to the side of his head while he stared across the room. Hanley told me he'd think about giving me an interview, but it quickly became clear that that wasn't gonna happen. By the time I got back from dinner, his whole attitude towards me had changed. First, Hanley started talking about the difference between what he called classic transformation, which is what he did in the old LifeSpring seminars, and quantum transformation, which is what he's doing now. I raised my hand to ask for some clarification on something he said about quantum. Before I could finish my sentence, Hanley cut me off. He told me, you heard that, I didn't necessarily say it, You heard what you heard, that's not what I said. So I tried to rephrase my question, like, okay. My interpretation of what you said was, and he cut me off again. What's your interpretation, he asked. Where was it? Could I point to it? Could I show it to him? Then he told me to get up and stand at the front of the room. He sat on the table in front of me with his back to me and said, ask me your question. So I tried again. I said, you know, I'm I'm curious. And before I could finish, he told me he didn't give a shit about my curiosity. Why should he waste his time on that? Now I was up front, everyone was looking at me, and I was frantically trying to figure out how to phrase my question in a way that wouldn't make him interrupt me again. It seemed like he was trying to knock me down to assert some dominance, and it was working. I started stumbling over my words and blushing as he cut me off over and over again. Finally, Hanley just snapped and told the group, When you have people in your trainings like River... are saying a bunch of words but saying nothing. How do you deal with them? He said, I might think I have all this information, but I could make a thousand podcasts if I wanted, and I still wouldn't be saying a thing. I couldn't even ask him one simple question. He told me to try again. So I mumbled something like, what is quantum transformation? And he nodded. He said, we'll get to that tomorrow. The first day of the Quantum Trainers Academy ended at seven. Before we left, Hanley gave us some homework to study his trainer's manual and come in the next morning, ready to lead the first 15 minutes of a seminar. I was still blushing when I rode the elevator up to my hotel room. I felt awful, embarrassed at how easily he tore me apart in front of the group, at how quickly I crumbled. Maybe signing up for the trainer's academy was a mistake. There was no going back now. You know, the $7,000 was gone. So as I walked into my room, I decided I would fully commit to the next two days. I'd set all my ideas about John Hanley aside and just give myself over to the training. I'd make a real effort. I'd win him over. I'd get that interview. So I sat down and I started doing my homework. Hey, it's River. Welcome to the first day of the Galactic Leaders Academy. Now just by showing up today, you've proven that you are the kind of person who's committed to squeezing all the juice there is to squeeze out of the sweet, sweet berry we call life. Socrates, Buddha, Kenny Chesney, Jesus, somewhere along the line, they all made a choice, a choice to put in the hard work it takes to maximize yourself, to become the best you you can be. And over the course of this three-day seminar, I'm gonna teach you how to do just that, to live maximally, It all starts right here in this moment with one simple action. Who's with me? You, sir in the back, that's it. Amazing, stand up, here we go. Are you ready? Now take that phone out of your pocket and rate, review, and subscribe to Good Cult and Apple Podcasts right now. That's it, exactly, perfect. You're taking the first step today towards a more maximal you tomorrow. You guys like it when I tell you about my feelings? You wanna hear a little bit more about my feelings? All right, here we go. I've been pushing my body pretty hard to get this podcast done working through every weekend since probably June or July, not taking care of myself very well at all. There was a week where my producer Drew and I worked from 9 in the morning straight until 2 a.m., talking on the phone and arguing over every sentence of the scripts line after line until we both were completely burned out. Now, unsurprisingly, I got pretty sick a few weeks ago, but I still had all this work to do. I don't have a doctor, and the idea of going through the process of finding a doctor was the last thing I wanted to do. But then I went on ZocDoc. This is real. This actually happened. I'm not inventing this story for the sake of advertising, I promise you. I might be saying it so that my boss will take pity on me and Drew and let us take a really long vacation once the season is done, but that's not the point. The point is that I used ZocDoc to find a doctor, book an appointment, and I handled everything in minutes. So can you. It's easy. If you don't know about ZocDoc, it's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. There are lots of different kinds of doctors and specialists in the world, at least 10, I think, and ZocDoc has them all. You can find the right person for you in a few clicks. Go to ZocDoc.com goodcult and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. I gotta take a big deep breath for this one. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash goodcult. ZocDoc.com slash goodcult. I woke up late this morning, and I was immediately buried in a pile of emails. By the time I got through all of them and jumped in the shower, I was way behind schedule. So I had this decision to make. You know, do I dig through my cabinets, grab whatever random food I can find, and eat it as fast as I can while I'm running to the car? Or do I just glug down about a gallon of green tea on an empty stomach and not worry about it until lunchtime? I'm either going to be sitting in the recording booth feeling lazy because I just ate a bunch of weird trash for breakfast, or I'm going to be hungry and jittery from the caffeine. But then I remembered that I had a Splendid Spoon green smoothie in my fridge. So I grabbed that and I drank it while I drove here. It was easy, it was delicious, and the almond butter in the smoothie was packed with all the healthy fats I need to keep my brain running throughout the day. Splendid Spoon delivers healthy, ready-to-eat meals right to my door. The smoothies are great for breakfast, but I also love the lemon wild rice and broccoli bowl for lunch. The best part is that they're all plant-based and gluten and GMO-free, Last night I actually tried the kale pesto noodles for dinner. It came with nutritional yeast, which is the staple seasoning of my childhood. I love nutritional yeast. I love Splendid Spoon. I'm somehow still feeling full and good from that smoothie this morning. So fuel up for your own busy days with Splendid Spoon. Get started today and get $120 off your first three boxes at splendidspoon.com goodcult. That's $120 off splendidspoon.com goodcult. I woke up early on Wednesday morning and kept hammering away at my homework. By the time the Trainers Academy started at 11, I was ready to give it an earnest try. As I listened to Hanley's lectures about Martin Heidegger and John Cyril and quantum physics and the nature of reality, I furiously scribbled down notes. But when I opened my notebook on a break, all I had were pages and pages of lines like, Am I managing my circumstances? Or, Are my circumstances managing me? And, Human beings are the only beings for whom being is an issue. And quantum transformation is who I am before over there occurs. Now, Hanley tried to help us understand all these concepts by giving us some examples. There was one about getting athlete's foot.
0: Now, let's say that you had athlete's foot
3: and you're laying in bed and it's just
0: killing you and you hate it.
2: This audio is from another participant who recorded some of Hanley's lectures. He sent it to me once the training was over.
3: And you had a thirty-eight
0: revolver in your, in your uh, vanity right next to the bed. What are the chances, because that athlete's foot is irritating you, that you'd pull out that thirty-eight and shoot your foot
3: la Zero.
0: You're not going to do that. Why not? Because it's your foot. So that's the story about everything.
2: He had another example about driving a truck.
0: Why am I driving this truck? Because I choose it. My reasons don't choose for me. I choose automatically in ownership. And then one about driving a bus. You know, by God, I am a driver, bus driver right now. Here's my license. This is my authority, my declaration. And my being at stake in that declaration now, and then when. now, and then when. now, and then when.
2: now, and then when. now. And something about prisoners. I'd rather have volunteers
0: than prisoners. So if you're running a prison down there, it's a little bit more difficult to manage the prisoners without guns and whips and shit.
3: But if you have volunteers, you don't need that. You don't need any bars, you need to lock them up, you don't need to threaten them, because they're choosing to be there.
2: None of it makes much sense to me now but as I listened to Hanley talk hour after hour in that windowless room in a hotel basement, I felt like he might be telling me something brilliant and profound. I just wasn't smart enough to keep up. I wasn't the only person who felt like that. One guy came up to me during a break and explained that this was his third time through the trainer's academy. Apparently, if you go through Hanley's training once and then recruit someone else to sign up, you get to take it again for free. First, the guy enrolled a couple of his employees. This time around, he signed up his wife. He told me he didn't do great in high school, never went to college. And what John Hanley was teaching here felt like a university course. He joked that after his third time through, he was just now starting to get it.
0: The past already leaked into the future while we were sleeping.
3: So we've got
2: to look around for the
3: past
0: and the future and clean it up. Otherwise, it'll drag us down.
2: At the end of the day... Hanley only said two things that I could actually wrap my head around. First, Hanley told us to copy him, to say exactly what he said. We didn't have to understand how it worked, but if we could mimic him word for word, then it would work regardless. The other thing that stuck out to me was enroll, enroll, enroll. Our homework for Wednesday night was to write a speech that would convince a few dozen people to pay $10,000 for our own quantum program. If we could get the entire Trainers Academy to stand up and agree to enroll in 15 minutes, then we did it right. Enrollment. Signing people up. Getting them to sign people up. It felt like Hanley was stripping away all the magic of the world I grew up in. Like, he'd showed me under the hood and these seminars were just an elaborate device used to convince people to hand over their money. For all of Wednesday and most of Thursday, Hanley kept icing me out. One by one, he called on all the trainees and had them give the speeches they'd spent the night working on, but he never called on me. He barely even looked at me. And then, finally, at 6 p.m. on the last night of the training, Hanley told me to head up to the front of the room and practice leading a seminar. So I stood up and did my best to imitate all the seminar leaders I'd spent my life watching from the audience. The words poured out of me. You know, I've had a seminar leader doing a constant running monologue in my head for as long as I can remember. So all I really needed to do was just open my mouth and let him talk for a while about the power of personal responsibility and honoring your commitments and how life isn't something that happens to you. It's something that happens from you and how this is about you and your life and what you want to create. 15 minutes later, it was over. It was time for Hanley to let me know how I did.
0: The question on the table for me is, are you willing to give up the way you like to do it and duplicate exactly the way that I do it? That's, that's really the only question. And for me, it looks to me like you're totally invested in like being some unique specimen who has so much value because of your idea, the history of it and all, that you're God's gift to, to all of us.
3: I mean, occasionally.
0: You, You forget yourself, and you might say something that I said. But it's rare, Uh, which is up to you. You know, it's your money. You could spend it however you like. But if you want to be, let's say, competitive in in being a trainer, probably my results are better than yours, and that's not accidental.
2: Hanley didn't like anything I'd come up with myself. The only thing I did right, he said, was copying him. How old are you, 30? Yeah, 31.
0: When I was 31, I had 150 people working for me, including 25 trainers I trained. So just consider that your idea of how this came about ain't how at all how it came about. We'll just have to see how much of you, how much oxygen you need to operate in the room. So you know your job really is to go from where you are to disappear yourself completely, and your only interest is not the river show. That's canceled. What becomes? Powerful is how to empower others
3: in a way that show. no, no
0: show. That.
2: that was the most I ever got out of Hanley. I tried over and over again during our time together to get him to sit down with me for an interview, but he just kept dodging me. When the last day of the trainers academy was over, I headed back up to my hotel room. The program was supposed to continue for half a year. There'd be another meeting like this in two months, and another one after that where we'd finally find out whether Hanley was going to let us become certified quantum trainers. If I wanted to keep going, I'd have to pay another $5,500 on top of the seven grand i would already spent. But I was done. Hi there, I'm checking out. What's your number? Uh, 618. On Friday morning, I checked out of my room and headed down to the lobby. The hotel's automatic doors opened, and I saw someone standing on the sidewalk outside. It was Hanley. He was waiting for a car. I took a deep breath and walked over to him to ask for an interview one last time. All right, I just saw John waiting for his car, and so I ran out. I recorded this a minute after Hanley and I talked. He wouldn't let me record our conversation, but I wanted to capture it as best as I could in the moment. And I said, all right, well-
3: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: I just want to see if you'd be willing to talk to me. He says, of course. I said, are you okay if I record it? He said, fuck no, I'm not going to do a fucking podcast. But he says, you want to talk? Let's talk. He told me I could ask him one question, just one. So I asked him the question that had been on my mind all week long. Why is he still doing this? He's 77 years old. He's already made plenty of money. But he continues to fly all around the world, spending three days living in a random hotel, leading seminar after seminar. Why keep going? I said, You've been doing this for fifty years, and before I could finish my sentence, Hanley cut me off. He said, Maybe I have. That's what you say. It's like, okay, well, I see you still staying in the game. You know, you could have retired, I imagine, but here you are, still leading the seminars. You know, why? He didn't even answer the question. He just said to me, It's not just being in the game. It's about being in the game in excellence. I imagine you've never seen excellence before. And that was it. My three days with John Hanley were over. That was all I got. You've never seen excellence before.
3: There is something about being a guru, right? You're the all-knowing man.
0: John Hanley can be an asshole.
3: (laughs) a crook.
0: Hanley was a convicted felon.
3: And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. What I found out
0: about John Hanley was that he did not have any academic or real-world experience. Hanley was famous for putting them in situations of like awesome personal growth, and that, that's one of John's gifts.
1: And the thing that really irritates me is this motherfucker still making money.
2: I've spent the past year trying to figure out who John Hanley really is. I've heard a lot of different answers. That he's a guru, a con man, a visionary, a force of evil. Now, I think I've finally found an answer of my own. To me, it all goes back to that day Hanley spent locked inside of a casket in 1971, when he decided he wanted to be a leader. He spent the next 50 years becoming that leader. He stood on stages all around the world making crowds of people scream and cry as they had one of the most intense experiences of their lives. And they loved him for it. Most of them, anyway. It reminds me of something Rodrigo told me. Being a trainer, standing in front of hundreds of people every weekend, and being adored by them, and people telling you that you're great and that you saved their life, is something that most human psyches are not ready for. I don't know what that feels like for Hanley. That power, that control, that adoration. But I bet it's intoxicating. To me, it seems like through all the lawsuits, and the bad press, and the burned bridges, Hanley just kept chasing that feeling. Until one day, he found himself charging people $7,000 to learn how to change somebody's life. And all he could tell them was, copy me word for word. Do exactly what I do. Because he believes that what he's doing is excellence and no one's seen real excellence before.
3: This job is made for you
2: to lose your mind, literally. I don't think John Hanley is a guru, or a con artist, or a visionary, or a force of evil. I think he's a man whose driving purpose in life is chasing that feeling for as long as he can. A few days after I left the Quantum Trainers Academy, I took another look at Hanley's website. He already had his next seminar on the books. September, New York City. Since I started making this podcast, I found myself thinking a lot about my own relationship with these seminars. The seminars taught me how to communicate with people on a deep, meaningful level. How to be vulnerable. How to see the humanity in everyone I meet. But they also taught me to ignore my anger, to suppress any emotions I don't like, to obsessively pick apart all my feelings and thoughts until I just create new problems out of nothing. I keep coming back to the same fundamental question. Are the seminars good or bad? If I decide to believe that they're bad, that negates all the positive things that me and my parents and thousands of other people got from the seminars. But how can I possibly say that they're good after I've talked to all these people they hurt? There was only one person who could really help me wrestle with that question.
3: The children that grew up like you and I in this kind of a situation, I would venture to guess, there's many, many out there that are struggling like we do around this.
2: This is Karen. Karen's parents ran LifeSpring's Philadelphia office in the 1980s. The two of us have spent a lot of time talking about how we're supposed to feel about these seminars now that we're old enough to see that our parents only told us one side of the story. Karen might be a decade older than me. She might be married with kids and a real job and a life on the opposite side of the country. But she's the only person I've ever met who really understands what it was like to grow up the way I did. Because she did, too.
3: I think the people that did Lifespring as paying customers, who chose it and who got something really valuable out of it, whether it was a catalyst for them to change their life or a catalyst for them to re-examine their relationships, we have to remember they were like over 25 years old, fully formed adult human beings. And we had pliable developing brains and bodies and experiences. That is a very different way to experience Lifespring. And it is no less valid. Our experience is no less valid. In fact, one could argue We're actually the generation of whether Lifespring works for a family or not. And how does it work in raising your children or raising, you know, people? And I would argue, you know, there's some good, there's some bad. But it's complicated.
2: (laughs) Uh, It is. It's so complicated. I'm really struggling. There's this one moment from our interview that I've been thinking about a lot. That's what I was hoping that this podcast would help me get some clarity on, right? That's sort of why I started the project to begin with. And... I feel like instead of clarity, I just feel completely destabilized, sort of. It's like I thought I had a grasp on my history and I thought I understood. And then suddenly it's like now I'm just completely at a loss. It's like, did the seminars teach me how to be vulnerable and share and connect deeply and you know understand the people around me? Or did I grow up in a destructive new age cult that my parents are still brainwashed by? You know, it's like I thought that I would come to some sort of great understanding and i just like feel more lost now than i was when i started it
3: yeah i i really resonate with that i'll just challenge you to say you know it doesn't have to be one or the other and your story is only your own you don't have to justify it you don't have to explain it or feel guilty about it but where you sit in your experience maybe it's both or a mix or a hybrid maybe it's not one or the other It is part of my story. It is not the only part of my story. And I have a lot of story left to go, but it's shaped me. And I think the more you recognize how it shaped you, the better you can make decisions on your own about how you want it to shape you in the future.
2: It's funny because even now, I still find myself thinking in lines from the seminars. There's one my dad always used to say, many things are true at the same time. Are the seminars good? Yes. Are the seminars bad? Yes. Many things are true at the same time. I have sunk so much time and energy into thinking about these seminars. Over the past year, it's taken over my life. And the truth is, I'm exhausted. I'm sick of being stuck in the past, I'm sick of trying to analyze it. A part of me just wants to put it all behind me and let it go. And the really terrible thing is that as I'm saying this, I realize I'm saying exactly what John Hanley has been trying to teach me this whole time. That I need to let the past be the past and just ask myself, so what? Now what? You've been listening to the first season of Good Cult, an original podcast from Cast Media. I'm River Donahue. We'll be back soon with a brand new season, but until then, thanks for listening. Good Cult is written by me, River Donahue, with help from Drew Schwartz. It's executive produced by Colin Thompson and produced by me and Drew with a last-minute assist from Trey Schultz. Good Cult was edited by Anton Doty and Jordan Cantor and mixed by Anton. The original score was composed by Spencer Fox and Sam Hendricks. Robert Beattie made our cover art, and Katie Way fact-checked for us. Legal review by Ted Curtis. Special thanks this episode to Karen. Good Cult is a cast original production. Cats. Hey, it's River. I've been in the studio for an eternity. There are no windows here. I've lost all sense of time. My only light is the glowing red bulb above the door that says recording. From my place behind the microphone, I can see the silhouette of the engineer behind the board. He's always in shadow. I've never seen his face. He whispers to me through my headphones. He says we're going to play a little game. He says that if I get five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I get to keep all five of the fingers on my left hand. If I get a four-star review, he'll take one finger. A three-star review. Two fingers, please. Rate, review, and subscribe to Good Cult and Apple Podcasts. I need my fingers. we you